It is time for us to begin our midday program here on a Thursday, which for some may be kind of a Friday right before the 4th of July. Hope you're doing well. Humid and warm one setting up for us today as uh, we get uh, taking a look at our midday for our midday broadcast lots going on as always jason jorgensen bob brogan susan littlefield all in here to help me uh, get it all figured out but like i said just a busy time as everybody gets ready for this holiday season let's check in with susan littlefield first of all well, thanks, Scott, and happy uh, 4th of July early to everybody. Here's what's kicking off the midday today from the farm team at 1219. Alex is going to talk about JBS USA. They're investing $4 million in Nebraska as part of their new Hometown Strong initiative. Cameron Burrett is head of the corporate affairs. We'll share details coming up at 1219. Then at 1245, Alex steps in and we'll talk about nationwide insurance. They awarded 41 fire departments with grain rescue tubes, including the fire departments in Adams and Brainerd, Nebraska. Then at 117, a day early, it's the FBNO Fridays in the field as I will talk with Tom and Devin Vidichka from Surprise, Nebraska. Mother Nature has been very beneficial in rain for those dryland crops. We'll get all the details coming up on the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen in sports. And, Jason, I was reading the other day. I know that uh, uh, you know the NBA really wants to start their season, but I think the Brooklyn Nets have about eight players right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the way it works. When you get people together, people get sick. Right. You can have a good plan, but then you have to deal with it. Uh, we'll see how many cases pop up with Major League Baseball. Of course, yeah. they've got uh, all of the teams returning. Uh, some of them hope to start workouts either tomorrow or on Saturday. We'll hear from Royals new manager Mike Matheny. It almost doesn't even seem right after years of saying Ned Yost. I know. Now it's Mike Matheny, but he's all fired up to get uh, started with the Royals. So, yeah, baseball on that front, and now the NFL has to tick back when their exhibition season will start. They've worked that back a, a week. They say it's because to give the players more time to get in shape, but I think it's a little more than that. Yeah. It's, uh, that's pandemic-related right there. Yeah, lots of tough but decisions. Ahead. Cross your fingers, everybody be safe, and do what we can. Well, and it was like Jay Beller said the other day, you know, if you want to have a football season... You probably better follow the rules right now. And that's we'll wear some masks and do that kind of stuff. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, on the NBA thing, I didn't, that's going to be interesting. I don't know. They're trying. You know, they wanted to be the only game out there, uh, and uh, they're trying. But I don't know. It doesn't look good. So. I think what's the plan? To send everybody to Florida, mm-hmm. play all the games. And right there in Orlando, and there, I mean, make a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to get everybody there first. <laughs> you do. And then it's, if the infection spreads there, it's going to go like wildfire. So, anyway, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan. Good news in the jobs front leads to good uh, news in the stocks front. Wall Street is rallying after a report showed the U.S. job market is continuing to climb out of the uh, doldrums created by the coronavirus pandemic in the spring. So uh, U.S. employers are enjoying a, uh, a little bit of a resurgence. A substantial number of jobs were created in June, and uh, the unemployment rate fell. Also, the U.S. trade deficit rose for the third straight month in May. Both exports and imports fell as the coronavirus outbreak 
continued to take a toll on world commerce. Those stories and more coming up. All right, that's all coming up on Mid. Friday in the Fields is back with the farm team here on the Rural Radio Network, brought to you by First National Bank. We'll tag along near Henderson, Nebraska this year with Matthew Hebner. He's a producer that grows corn and soybeans in the area, and he's been experimenting with relay cropping. Hi, this is Susan Littlefield. I'm going to be going just up the road and around the corner to my neighbors, Tom and Devin Vidichka, just outside of Surprise, as we talk to this father-son duo about corn, beans, and seed corn. Hey there, Clay Patton, and I'm heading west to the UNL Research Station at North Platte. There we'll be following the actual and virtual fields of the 2020 TAP program. So be sure to tune in every Friday during the midday for Fridays in the Field, brought to you by First National Bank. If you miss it on air, don't worry. You can catch it as a podcast as well through our website at ruralradio.com and also the video link as well to see what our farmers are up to. It's Fridays in the Field on the Rural Radio Network. 11.44, time for us to check in with our weather and uh, see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins in studio with us right now. And, uh, you know, the the nice thing that we've had over the last couple of days, while it's gotten warm, it's cooled down very nicely in the evening. The humidity is rising here. may not do that quite as good tonight. Exactly, yeah, because that... Um the more humid air it takes a lot it takes a lot longer to cool off but it also is slower to warm up though so you don't have the extreme temperatures and you know fluctuation between like 160 you know for a temperature but yeah it's starting to starting to see more of that corn growing weather increase across the area today yesterday we had those dew points is pretty comfortable but right. uh, now those dew points pretty much in the upper 60s region wide even into northeast colorado and northwest kansas well that's what i was going to say you're looking at areas that usually don't have <laughs> dew points any higher than 40 degrees much that are really just as humid as ever. This is one of those days where you, if you stand outside and you're really quiet, you hear the corn grow. I exactly. Think. Yep. Stand out in that cornfield, you'll hear it. So, right. <laughs> but yeah, we are seeing some cloud cover, some patchy cloud cover over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas, as far east as about the Mullen to Lexington area, down to about Alma. Otherwise, those temperatures warming nicely into the low 80s across the area. Some sunny to partly cloudy skies. And once again, those two points into the upper 60s to low 70s. Anytime it gets above 65, it starts to feel humid. Some low 70s more prevalent on those two points as you have from Grand Island and points towards the east. A little bit of light rain may be falling from the skies from about Norton to Hill City with some uh, real thin line of showers over north central Kansas right now. Looking at sunshine, increasing in coverage for today. Also increasing humidity. Temperatures slightly warmer than normal. Scattered thunderstorms expected to fire this afternoon right near a dry line from the Panhandle to eastern Colorado. What's left of those storms will move into the central and east later today through tonight. They could possibly linger into early tomorrow morning. Any rainfall totals expected to be on the light side since those thunderstorms will be pretty isolated to scattered. A ridge of high pressure will dominate our weather for tomorrow through at least the middle of next week with mainly dry weather and seasonal to slightly above normal temperatures. Maybe a few thunderstorms will be possible with some late-day thunderstorms that roll off the western high plains. In our long-term forecast, above normal temperatures remain likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the eastern two-thirds of the U.S. for Tuesday all the way through July 15th. So we're looking at the early half of July above normal on temperatures for the middle of next week. Nebraska rainfall right now expected to be near normal, while Kansas rainfall will remain below normal 
Both Nebraska and Kansas likely to be drier with below normal rainfall late next week through the 15th. The month of June, ranking as a warm one, 5th to 7th hottest on record in central Nebraska. 25 days last month, warmer than normal. And last month, also the hottest since 1934 in Central Nebraska in many so, locations. So that helped. from from I know because you were talking first ten days, exactly. first fifteen. It helped the whole. Month. Exactly, and then then you we you add that on top of the first fifteen days of July looking to be above normal. You know we're off to a pretty hot start here for summer this year. Dryness issues are increasing in the regional drought monitor. Nebraska dropped 12 percentage points to 64% drought-free. Much of central and southwest Nebraska abnormally dry, including from Greeley down to Kearney and Aurora, and from Franklin to Superior. Also areas from the southwest corner of Custer County and points to the south and west abnormally dry. Abnormal dryness continues from Columbus to the northeast and the northwest part of Nebraska. The very corners of southwest and northwest Nebraska in moderate drought. Kansas dropped 5 percentage points to 36% drought-free. Much of central and southeast Kansas abnormally dry. Moderate drought is also found in the northern two-thirds of western Kansas and from Smith Center to Mankato now. Much of southwest Kansas experiencing severe to extreme drought. The very southwest corner of Kansas now in the highest stage at exceptional drought. Key weather factors in the market include rain bypassing the eastern Midwest and hot and dry weather for wheat harvest in the southern plains. There is some concern over dryness building into portions of the eastern Midwest, especially northern Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. Only periods of isolated rain are likely after today with scattered activity remaining off to their north next week. Crop areas in the eastern Midwest that were missed by the rain could see further crop stress developing. Wheat harvest Weather in the Southern Plains favorable right now with just widely scattered showers and mainly hot weather in the next several days. Irrigation demand, though, for row crops will be heavy with heat stressing the row crops. For the Northern Plains, recent moderate to heavy rain improved soil moisture. Additional thunderstorms predicted through the weekend. Okay. All right. You know, you keep talking about these extended forecasts, and then you're saying... Uh, normal precipitation. I would just like to see some precipitation. Exactly. It feels like it's been, you know, some scattered stuff. And somebody will get, you know, thirty hundreds or something like that. But man, we just can't get anything normal. Yeah, it's kind of like the lottery. Just a few people uh, yeah. on an isolated basis are getting hitting in with some nice totals. But That's yeah, it's very, very isolated, and it looks like it's going to remain that way through the middle of the month. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab at krvn.com. JBS USA is investing $4 million in Nebraska to support local communities as part of a new Hometown Strong initiative. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Cameron Bruitt is the head of corporate affairs for JBS USA, and he shares about the Hometown Strong initiative. We created a $120 million global program to assist our local communities where we live, work, and operate our facilities. And about $50 million of that is dedicated to the United States as a part of our Hometown Strong initiative. And this is really our way to try to give back to the local communities where we live and work, Uh, by supporting local infrastructure projects, alleviating food insecurity, and supporting COVID emergency response efforts. We recognize that while we serve a very important role in rural America by producing food that's enjoyed by millions of Americans each and every day, we also have a greater responsibility. Um, That's to give back to our communities and support those 
who are facing this challenge of coronavirus. As part of the $120 million global social commitment, Cameron shares how the $4 million will be invested in Nebraska. Well, we're going to work with local officials to determine the best fit for that substantial investment. Uh, in my home state, I'm a, a Benson High School graduate um, and a proud uh, Cornhusker fan. Um, and I'm just really proud that we're able to give back so much to my home state. And we understand that, you know, we're in over 60 different communities all across the United States, and each of those communities has different needs. So we're going to partner with local officials both in Omaha and in Grand Island, Nebraska, where we have beef packing plants, uh, to understand what those local community needs are and hopefully identify some projects that have some long-term benefit uh, for those communities. Our team members live and work there. They're integral parts of the communities. We support um, local businesses, obviously the cattle producers and others who make our business possible. So we want to make sure that we're dedicating those funds to some really meaningful, long-lasting projects that add value to these communities. And Cameron provides examples of different community projects. Yeah, it's going to be different everywhere that we're located. So, for example, in uh, one of the towns, we're looking at helping local hospital infrastructure. Here in Greeley, Colorado, we've helped with COVID response efforts, whether that's um, buying emergency test kits or face masks or other intervention um, efforts. So it's going to really be dependent upon uh, what the community needs. Now, we're certainly focused on the current challenge in front of us, which is coronavirus, but you know, our rural communities have long-term needs, and so we're not going to shy away from longer-term infrastructure projects um, that might support the community well beyond this pandemic. And as for the economic impact of JBS in Nebraska, Cameron says... In Nebraska, we employ more than 4,300 people. We would allocate uh, more than $2.5 billion each year to support those facilities by um, paying our local producers for the livestock that they rear. And again, we have two facilities, both in Grand Island um, and in Omaha, where we have annual payroll of over $190 million, $34 million in taxes, and we've invested over $84 million in capital uh, investments over the last five years. We just put in uh, new cattle pens in our Grand Island facility to help with staging um, and unloading of cattle. Um, so, so we're committed to these communities. Uh, we're significant economic contributors, and we're just part of that rural economy. You know, we depend upon grain producers, livestock producers, truckers, shippers, all the people that help those facilities run. So I know I'm personally proud to be a part of a company that has such a large footprint in Nebraska and has the ability to give back during times of need. That again is Cameron Bruitt, head of corporate affairs for JBS USA. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, baseball players started reporting to their teams yesterday in the most significant step yet as MLB presses ahead with its plan for a 60-game regular season schedule. Most players underwent a battery of health checks, not only for COVID-19, but also for any lingering ailments from spring training ahead of planned workouts that begin tomorrow. New Royals manager Mike Matheny says their top concern is keeping their players healthy. It's, it's impossible to replicate the intensity of a game once the Major League season starts. It's also near impossible to replicate the intensity of Major League camp. There's just there's more pressure, and we're going to have to... Uh, constantly have our strength conditioning staff as well as our medical team 
um, hands-on. Now off the field, the Royals have launched what they are calling a Fambassador program, in which up to 500 fans may purchase a plastic cutout of their likeness for $40 a piece that will be displayed in a seat at Kauffman Stadium during the abbreviated season. St. Louis Cardinals have replaced the New York Yankees as the opponent for the Chicago White Sox in the Field of Dreams game, which is still set for August 13th at Dyersville, Iowa. Scheduled change was caused by the new coronavirus pandemic, meant that the White Sox no longer play the Yankees this season. The new opponent was first reported yesterday by the Des Moines Register. Well, there's another sign that pulling out the season might be tricky for the NFL. The league is cutting the preseason in half and pushing the start of exhibition play back a week to give players more time to get in shape. Of course, the teams haven't been able to get together since the end of last year. The League and the Players Association have been meeting to find ways to make sure they can have games in a safe environment. The exhibition slate will now begin August 20th instead of August 13th, and teams will still report to training camp on July 28th. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey has told the U.S. Senate Committee that there needs to be a uniform federal law to regulate the compensation of college athletes instead of a series of state-level versions with different requirements. The hearing came as three states have signed athlete compensation bills into law, with Florida set to take effect next summer. Sankey says there's a risk of states one-upping each other with their own versions without that federal law. And Nebraska native Nathan Lashley is back to try to defend his title at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which is taking place just outside of Detroit. Of course, last year he broke through with his first tour win on the PGA Tour. After the first round, he is at one under, tied for 44th. Doc Redman had a great day. He won at seven under, and he has the lead. That's a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Nebraska voters will likely get the chance to vote on a measure to legalize medical marijuana based on the number of petition signatures that campaign organizers are submitting to state officials. Organizers of the Nebraskans for Medical Marijuana campaign say they've gathered 182,000 signatures from all 93 counties to allow the drug for medicinal use. To qualify for the ballot, the campaign would need to turn in more than 121,000 valid signatures, representing more than 10% of the voters in the state. A separate campaign to legalize casino gambling at Nebraska horse racing tracks is also expected to present signatures to state officials to place that issue on the ballot as well. The second-degree murder case of 31-year-old Kathleen Jordan has been bound over to Dawson County District Court for trial. Jordan appeared in Dawson County Court this morning where she waived her preliminary hearing. Defense attorney Brian Copley asked for a lower bond for his client. Dawson County attorney Elizabeth Waterman objected, reminding the judge that it's a murder case and it's still early in the investigation, including the seeking of more information about the relationship of the couple. And uh, whether or not uh, there's any corroboration uh, or much corroboration that, there, that this was an abusive relationship, there's as much indication that, um, at least initially now, that um, perhaps the, abu- the abuse was mutually delivered in this relationship. After hearing arguments from both sides, Judge Whiteman opted to continue Jordan's bond at 10% of $1 million. 
She is charged in the shooting death of her husband, 35-year-old Joshua Jordan, inside a pickup along Interstate 80 near Cozad on June 17th. Kathleen also faces a charge of use of a weapon to commit a felony. The Jordans' two children were in the back seat during the shooting. Authorities say a 21-year-old Wood River man has died in a two-vehicle crash. The Hall County Sheriff's Office says it happened Wednesday afternoon on a rural road near Alda, killing Alexander Schenenberger. Investigators say Schenenberger was driving a pickup truck on the county road while the truck experienced mechanical issues. Officials say another pickup truck, also in the same direction, crested a curved hill in the road and crashed into the back of Schneeberger's disabled truck. Schneeberger was taken to a Grand Island hospital where he was pronounced dead. Officials did not report injuries for the 54-year-old driver of the other truck. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Forty-one fire departments will receive life-saving grain bin rescue tubes through Nationwide's safety program, including two in Nebraska. And we're joined on the phone by Jason Berkland. He's the Associate Vice President of Risk Management at Nationwide Insurance. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alex. Glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about this project that Nationwide has launched. Yeah, so Grain Bin Safety Initiative was launched in 2014, and it was really to bring awareness around this. We have far too many deaths that continue to take place with farmers or grain handlers in general entering grain bins and being entrapped. And on top of the awareness, we also saw the need to provide this life-saving equipment and training. So we've been doing this since 2014, uh, providing those rescue tubes and training and awareness on our our website, thinkgrainbinsafety.com. Since this program got started a couple years ago, give us an idea of how this has impacted uh, farmers across the nation. Yeah, we're, we've got numerous visits to our website. Uh, we track that regularly, and we also have awarded over 152 grain bin to- rescue tubes and training to local fire departments, uh, well, local fire departments across 30 states. Yeah, Jason, in addition to the grain bin tubes that you guys have awarded, you also provide these educational resources that you're talking about. Tell me more about some of those resources and other programs that you guys have. Yeah, so each year we have a committee that that meets on this, and they think of different topics, and, and we follow the grain publication and what's kind of going on. But we come up with different topics and and provide educational information out to our readers or people that visit the website so they are aware that this is occurring. And each year uh, we have numerous visits to the website, um, but it, it's the knowledge around it and, and awareness around it. Within five seconds of being in, a, in flowing grain, you can be entrapped to the point where you can't get out and can't free yourselves. And the with the 2019 wetter harvest, we've actually seen a spike in 2000, late 2019, early 2020 of entrapments that have unfortunately led to fatalities on some of those. Jason, for those of us who have visited farm shows, we may have seen um, these devices. Can you explain what they do? Yeah, so the grain rescue tube, is it comes in pieces, and when they when the rest when the fire department gets to the to the area where the loss occurred they'll look inside the bin see what the situation is and then they'll take the pieces in individually and they will put them up and it will form a tube around the individual that's entrapped 
when that tube is formed, it stops the flowing grain from continuing to fill up and go around the entrapped individual. Uh, once that tube is in place and pressed into the, into the grain, then they'll start augering out the grain inside the tube, which allows that individual to start to free themselves. And once they're able to free, there's a ladder on the inside and they can climb out and then be taken to safety. And so obviously the program then takes these applications from rural fire departments because uh, maybe this is a fair assessment, maybe it's not, but these devices are probably not easily accessible for rural fire departments with limited incomes. That's a fair assessment. The tubes and training, um, it's not a cheap investment. And with volunteer fire departments, you know, a lot of their money is going to other programs. So we've partnered with many sponsors and and general public in the donations and the nominations of their fire departments. So we accept nominations pretty much year-round. This year we had 1,006 nominating their local fire departments, and we have a committee that goes through those nominations and, and selects the winners. Jason, for those wanting to get involved or learn more about this program, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, again, visit our website at uh, thinkgrainbinsafety.com. You'll be able to see the educational materials. You'll be able to um, sign up for a nomination of your local fire department and you learn about what is going on in agriculture today about this entrapment and, and these preventable losses. All right, Jason, as we round up this conversation, what else is important for us to know? We just want to bring awareness to to this issue and, and this campaign. Um, We've had multiple states that have signed in proclamations. Uh, It's the third week of February every year is is when we kind of recognize it. But really, this is a year-round awareness program that we want people to visit and and understand the situation and understand what they could get into. A lot of uh, farmers and grain handlers have been doing this for a number of years, and it's never happened, but it just takes one time uh, that it could happen. We we want to bring that awareness on the safe procedures of entering and, and removing grain from a bin. Absolutely. Great information. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. Thank you very much, Alex. Again, we've been joined by Jason Berkland. He's the Associate Vice President of Risk Management at Nationwide Insurance. As 41 fire departments will be receiving these grain rescue tubes through their safety program, including the Adams Rural Fire Department in Adams, Nebraska, and Brainerd Volunteer Fire and Rescue Department in Brainerd, Nebraska. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Bureau. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Wall Street is rallying after a report showed the U.S. job market continues to climb from the crater created by the coronavirus pandemic in the spring. The S&P 500 was up 1.4% in early trading on pace for its fourth straight gain. The gains were so widespread that all but one stock in the S&P 500 were higher at one point. Stocks also rose across Europe and Asia while oil prices strengthened on hopes for more demand. U.S. employers added a substantial 4.8 million jobs in June, and the unemployment rate fell to 11.1% as the job market improved for a second straight month, yet remained far short of regaining the colossal losses it suffered this spring. The nation has now recovered roughly one-third of the 22 million jobs it lost to the pandemic recession, 
And with confirmed coronavirus cases spiking across the Sunbelt states, a range of evidence suggests that a job market recovery may be stalling. The U.S. trade deficit rose for the third straight month in May. Both exports and imports fell as the coronavirus outbreak continued to take a toll on world commerce. The Commerce Department said today that the gap between what the United States buys and what it sells abroad rose 9.7% in May to $54.6 billion, the highest since December 2018. Mexico is celebrating the implementation of a new free trade agreement with Canada and the United States that it hopes will lead to more investment in its struggling economy. The supply chains are deeply intertwined. During the COVID-19 pandemic, there was pressure from the U.S. government to allow some Mexican assembly plants to quickly reopen or remain open to cause less interruption. Mexico's president will travel to Washington July 8th through the 9th to meet with President Donald Trump to recognize the achievement of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Accord. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brook. edition of Fridays in the Field. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're outside of Surprise, Nebraska, where we're going to be talking to Tom and Devin Fadichka. It's being brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. So we are fortunate in this neck of the woods to have gotten some much-needed rain, timely rains. Now we're waiting for another shower to move through, which will help the crops. Not a lot of pivots have run in this area, which has been good for producers that have to irrigate, but even better for some of these dry land fields as we bring both Tom and Devin into the conversation. Let's talk about your dry land crops because Mother Nature's been pretty kind to you lately with, with rain. Yes, they have. <laughs> it's been very timely rains and good. So tell me what you guys are seeing as you, as you walk out and look at the dry land fields. What are any surprises considering how hot and humid it has been? Everything as far as Working through everything, but ours looks really good right now. I mean, the beans are starting to come around. We got them, finally got them sprayed, and they're coming out of the early stages of bean growth, and they're starting to really look nice. You got some of the some of the better looking bean crops in the area. I mean, I noticed canopies are starting to close, and and they look really good and thick. They're, we got it. We got a good stand. They come up really nice. They were a slow start, but they're looking really good now. What has been some of the biggest concerns you've had, though, with your dry land fields? Not too many concerns right now. Uh, just hopefully get more timely rains and keep them going. So how does the corn look on your dry land? Uh, it's still looking good. Uh, we'll see after this 100-degree day if it uh, starts curling up or anything. But other than that, everything's looking good. I'm sure by the first of next week there'll be a few pivots started up if we don't catch the rain. Yep. So both, you have kind of a combination of dry land and irrigated. How's the irrigated crops looking at this point? Yeah, very good. Uh, just, I mean, dry land looks just as good as irrigated, so, I mean, can't complain about much right now. Yeah, we got real good, everything come up really nice, so we got really good stands, so we're looking pretty good so far. If we can catch, catch some rains and stay away from the hail and the wind storms and the green snap, we should be all right. Compared to last year, we had so much rain and crops got in the ground late. To, to this year, you've had timely rains, timely planting. Actually, the last three years have been pretty fairly similar. You know, we got we got a little dry spell earlier this year for two and a half weeks or two weeks there, which is what kind of hurt our herbicide program a little bit. We needed some moisture to get that herbicide in the ground. But uh, other than that, it's been fairly similar to the last couple of years. Looking good. Too bad prices would go up. It'd be a lot nicer. So, so are you guys are you guys your own crop scouts? Or do you work with a certified crop advisor? Uh, we get Servitec for our seed corn, and uh, we do our own for the rest of our stuff. 
so how is that going out and, and, and being your own boss and being your own advisor at the same time? Well, it takes sometimes we got to bring in the professionals, you know, ask <laughs> you know, questions, ask a lot of questions. You know, Internet's good. They show you a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of times there's new stuff that, you know, a lot of nobody really knows much about. So and if you could go 100 percent irrigated, would you? Yeah. Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> the last three or four years, have been. yeah, land has been doing pretty good. I think the guys that have stayed dry land and been dry land all their life, I think they're, they actually might be ahead of the game. I mean, we raise more bushels, it costs us more, you got more to worry about. You know, them guys, you know, when it's, they get, they lay by the corn and, and spray the beans the last time, they're done for the year. You know, we got a lot of running around to do, so, I don't know, it's, it's nice to have that. My conversation with Tom and Devin Fadichka. That is Fridays in the Field, a day early. Brought to you by FNBL, the great big small bank. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Um. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, coming in here to a shortened trading week, we only traded about half the day, but now that the settlements are starting to roll in, it is low across the board here for the grains following two days of decent gains. Was this just some profit taking and position managing ahead of a long weekend just in case we'd get a surprise? Maybe. I think it's probably more selling. You look at the wheat markets down eight. It's a bad sign, uh, for corn and not to be a, you know, party poop here. I know a lot of folks can, you know, recommend to sell corn very easily right now. Um, but, you know, we're just, we're just going to price ourselves out of the market if we rally too quickly. So you're seeing farmers take profits here. You're seeing traders take profits. Um, you know, I, I think folks are almost gambling the other way in a sense of like, you don't want to be caught long with the bullish weather market as far as yield goes. Um, if you, if you are, you know, next thing you know, we're not, we're right back to 325 again. It's been a good week, but you know, we're only up seven cents from the high two weeks ago. So there's a long way to go here to get anywhere semblance of a, of a major rally, even though December being above 350 should make folks feel pretty good. Going into the weekend, those forecasts starting to continue to look hot and dry, but there's some divergence there on that eastern Corn Belt. Do you think it's going to see rain? I don't know. I mean, the folks I read are not optimistic over the next two weeks that things are going to really improve. Point I would imagine I can see crop progress show much in the way of uh, of problems either. So uh, I look for the market price trade forecast here the next two weeks. The Wazi is Friday, so we'll kind of have to get ready for that uh, a week from now. But, you know, it, I'm excited. I think the market got some, uh, a shot of good news today that can, you know, keep it off the, off the floor. But the story come September hasn't changed. There's still going to be a, you know, a big, big bid for storage, and that's a difficult thing to overcome. Obviously, weather's important, but currency's also still playing a factor, and the dollar spreading against the yen today, and actually on the buy side of it, what does that do in the currency markets right now? Well, currencies kind of the same same status. The the um, the rate has been strong, but not strong enough. And you have the the Chinese currency, which has gotten a little bit stronger. But you know, this is just the time of the year where there's a little bit of a resetting in the decks. You got a holiday. You got the end of the quarter, start of the quarter, start of the second half of the year. So uh, I imagine once Congress gets back into session here, we're going to see a lot more rocking and rolling, especially around the um, the CARES Act, which is the next fiscal stimulus. 
And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Remember, training futures and options involves risk of loss. All right, thank you very much, Clay. We'll then wrap up today's midday program. If you miss any of the action or any of our interviews, you can listen to the midday podcast available on iTunes or krvn.com. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Mo. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DeveniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Deveni deal.